If you think, I'm just going to save up some more money, I'm going to wait for the economy to turn around, and then down the road, once I'm ready, I'm going to buy a franchise. I'm going to start a business. You're probably not going to do it. That's the reality. You're probably not going to do it. If you if you wait five years, things happen, life changes, maybe there's a death in the family, certain things happen at home, people get sick. You don't know. You don't know what the future holds. No one does. And so my argument is, look, if you want to start a business, if you have that inner desire to own a business, do it. Jump, right? And I'm not saying jump blindly. Look before you step. Look before you jump. And that's what I'm here to help out with today and provide some industries that I think might be worth taking a look at in the second half of 2023. Welcome to the I Fired My Boss Franchise Podcast. My name is Dan Claps, founder and CEO of Franchise Playbook, a franchisor platform where we create, own, and operate dynamic franchise brands in the mobile services space. And my life's goal is to help people just like you fire their boss and become a business owner. And I'm Christian Dadalak, top franchise consultant and co-founder of Real Franchising, a leading franchise consulting firm. And together, we're on a mission to help people fire their boss, hire themselves, and live the American dream through franchise ownership. What is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the I Fired My Boss Franchise Podcast with your co-host, Christian Dadalak here. Uh, today, it is just a solo episode. We don't have Dan Claps with me here today. And that is because Dan is just running like a chicken with its head cut off with his new franchise. The team at Franchise Playbook and Voda are just absolutely dominating and killing it. Uh, they just had another Discovery Day recently where they have amazing candidates in the process that are many of them that are um, looking to potentially move forward. So congrats, Dan, on all that. But um, with that being said, I know Dan has a lot going on. So today is just a solo episode of me. And we'll be talking about some uh, some things related to industries, I think, that might be good to take a look at in the second half of 2023. But even before we jump into that, I did just want to briefly thank our sponsor. Uh, again, as we mentioned on the last podcast episode, we don't typically take sponsors for the podcast. But uh, you know, once we met Chase and his his team over at Silicon Signs, we knew that they were the real deal. We knew that they did a lot of incredible work and they did something that's incredibly needed. So uh, again, the company is Silicon Signs. They're based out of Salt Lake City, Utah, and uh, they're sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Uh, a little bit about them. They specialize in interior and exterior signage and they do it for franchises specifically, which I really, really like because uh, they they understand the franchise game. And, you know, in small business, uh, small business that I owned in the past, signage was a pain in the butt. Finding the right vendor that could get it done, get it done on time, uh, was was difficult. And so I know that a lot of franchisees that have more brick and mortar retail type businesses, that's something that they often struggle with. So, um, you know, working with the vendors, finding the right one, ordering the signs, all that stuff. So Silicon Signs, they really are the real deal. Uh, what I like about them is they have a team that is, they don't just design it, but they have project managers on place. So they have designers, project managers. They're not just there to take the order from you, but they're really there to help guide and coach you through the sign process and really approach the 
relationship as partners uh, more than anything. And so wh- why work with them? They're going to take a lot of the headache out of the process for you, which again, it, it can be very, very, uh, very lot big headache, basically. So that could be things like landlord requirements, approvals, permitting, tight installation schedules. So they, they can help with all of that. And they have an amazing track record. So they, they work with, uh, you know, little franchises. I'm just kidding. They're massive franchises like Trumbull Cookies, Capriati Sandwich Shop, Wing Zone, Dirty Dough, Handles Ice Cream, and many, many others. So. Um, another great thing, they don't have a sales force. Their model is to become preferred sign vendors for these, for the franchisors. And, uh, since they don't have to pay expensive commissions to a sales force, they're able to stay lean, compete nationwide and really pass those savings on to the, uh, the franchisees that they work with and help out. Uh, they've done work in all 50 states and even Canada and Puerto Rico. So if you're a franchise, you'd like to get a quote from them, check out their website, siliconsigns.com and request a call. Uh, typically respond in a matter of hours. And again, if you're a franchisor and are looking for a great sign vendor to partner up with, uh, the CEO of Silicon Signs, his name is Chase Dalton. Uh, he'd love to have you reach out to him directly. His email address is chase at siliconsigns.com. Uh, there's an online request form for their website to get you connected to him as well. So this is something that resonates with you. Please reach out to Silicon Signs right away. Again, we want to thank them for sponsoring this podcast episode. Again, that's siliconsigns, siliconsigns.com. All right. So today I wanted to get a little bit into a few industries that I think are worth checking out in the second half of 2023. And the, the crazy thing is, it's at the time of this, this recording, I mean, we're almost, we're almost uh, through half of the year. And so it's a, it's a good time to, to check up on ourselves and, and think about, okay, what am I going to do with the remaining half of this year? Did I, am I on track to hit my goals for the rest of the year? Did I hit it in, in Q1 and Q2 or what's left of Q2 at this point? And so if you're, if you're not getting the results that you want, if you're not where you want in life, or if you've been thinking about franchise ownership for a while, but you're not, you haven't quite been ready to take the plunge. Maybe you're worried about the economy or you're thinking about, you know, is it the right time? Do I have what it takes? Should I wait a little bit longer? And here's my perspective. And obviously, I, I like helping people get into business ownership. It's what I do. That's how I get paid, candidly speaking, right? But, you know, and I don't think everyone should buy a business. But for the people that are, if you if you feel that tug in your heart that you need to do something, that you need to start something for yourself, not just for the money, but because you want to give back to your community, you want to provide a, a necessary service, and you just want something that's your own. You want to own a business. You want to be a business owner. If you have that in you, then, then this podcast episode is for you. If you're just thinking about maybe another way to you know, make, make some additional income, I mean, that's great. And franchising can help you with that. But for some people, it may not be worth the headache, right? So if, if you really want to own a business, whether it's just something to replace your income, um, or maybe you want to build an empire, you can have it all with franchising. But if you feel that tug at your heartstrings that says, gosh darn it, I want to be a business owner, then this is the podcast episode for you. And this is who I'm talking to. And, and so I would say to those people, look, there's, there's a certain window in time where you're either going to do it or you're not. And if it's not now, it's probably never. 
you're going to keep making excuses again and again and again and again about why now is not the right time. And look, you can have all of the legitimate excuses out there. I've, I've been saying, or we've been in a recession for quite some time. We just don't really know it yet in many ways. But you can, you know, that's a legitimate excuse to not move forward on, on buying a business. I mean, it could be if you let it, you know, uh, many people would say, yeah, I would rather wait for better times, you know. But at the end of the day, I mean, I could quote stats on and I could name so many massive companies that were founded in 2008 during the Great Recession and all of that. But that doesn't really, that's not going to move you, I don't think. I mean, you know that intellectually that there are many people, there's many opportunities that can present themselves during tough economic times and the people that will win. If you can succeed in, in, in really tough times, when things do get easier, you're going to really kill it. But there's always going to be something, right? There's always going to be a challenge, whether it's labor, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's something, there's always going to be a challenge in business. It's never going to be incredibly easy. There's always going to, if it's not one thing, it's going to be another, right? So learning how to navigate those things now is important. But all of that stuff aside, as important as all that stuff is, the main thing to consider is just the reality of your situation. If you think, I'm just going to save up some more money, I'm going to wait for the economy to turn around, and then down the road, once I'm ready, I'm going to buy a franchise. I'm going to start a business. You're probably not going to do it. That's the reality. You're probably not going to do it. If, you're, if you wait five years, things happen, life changes, maybe there's a death in the family, certain things happen at home, people get sick. You don't know. You don't know what the future holds. No one does. And so my argument is, look, if you want to start a business, if you have that inner desire to own a business, do it. Jump, right? And I'm not saying jump blindly. Look before you step. Look before you jump. And that's what I'm here to help out with today and provide some industries that I think might be worth taking a look at in the second half of 2023. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. So if you're a franchisor listening or something like that, and you don't hear your industry mentioned, it's not because I don't think your industry likely is a good place to be during this time. But these are just three industries that, that I think are at least worth taking a look at in 2023, in the second half of 2023. And of course, as always, if this is something that you'd like to learn more about, any one of these particular industries, one of the brands or you know, a few of the brands in some of these different industries, reach out to us. Go to the ifiredmybosspodcast.com. There's a form you can fill out asking for some... You just fill out some basic information and we'll reach out to you and, uh, and, and, and talk with you about what might be a good fit for you uh, as far as a franchise business is concerned. And we can chat about some of these options I'm about to talk about. Uh, so anyway, with that said, go to, you know, ifiredmybosspodcast.com if you'd like our help with that. Um, but let me start by saying this. I know that Dan being in the, in the home services and restoration and, and cleaning space. And, and of course, me, myself, I've done a lot of placements as a franchise consultant in the home services, home improvement or mobile based type businesses world. Um, so Dan and I are obviously big believers in that. We've had many franchisor guests on from that world from that segment of franchising. And so I'm not going to do a big spiel here about why I believe in home services and home improvement, why I think that they are 
recession resistant in many cases and why I think where we're at economically, it makes sense. I mean, what I will say, I won't go and I'll spend time on the, these other three uh, industries I'm going to touch on. But the big case for home services, of course, is look, inventory across the nation in terms of housing, very, very, very low. Prices are, 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 are high, expected to you know, continue to go up, um, almost match what we saw during the pandemic, according to many different experts. And you got to think about it. Someone that locked in a two and a half, three, three and a half percent interest rate when interest rates are seven plus right now, they're, they're not giving up that home because if they, if they did move, they decided to sell and go somewhere else. They're not getting the same house. They're often downgrading and having the same monthly payment or maybe even higher. So rather than invest into a new home and upgrading by buying a new home, a bigger home in a better neighborhood, whatever, it makes more sense. And most people are just going to be reinvesting into the homes that they have now through different home improvement projects. So that's the case for a lot of home services industries and, and business like home improvement. I'm not going to get into all that because I think if you've listened to the podcast long enough, you get that and you understand why that is an industry worth taking a look at. But I wanted to dive into some industries that maybe we don't talk about quite as much that I think, that I think are still just absolutely fantastic businesses to be in. And we'll, we'll get more franchisees on from these, from these spaces. And so the first one I wanted to touch on is the automotive industry. And uh, specifically automotive repair. And uh, I have a couple of stats here. I'm going to rattle off to you guys, but this is, this is why I think it's worth potentially taking a look at, at least as far as the industry is concerned. So the, the auto industry, it's a $419 billion industry. Um, the, there are 288 million cars that are on the road in the year 2000. That was just 218 million. So 218 million to now 288 million population is increasing. More people driving cars, more people on the road. 13,000 miles is the average amount of miles driven on an annual basis. And the average car age is 12.1 years old. So what more and more people are deciding to do is rather than buy something new, they're going to repair the car that they have now. And that's reflected in the statistics. And that will be more pronounced, more likely, during times of recession, during times when liquidity shrinks up a little bit, unemployment rate goes up, job loss is a little bit more prevalent. Then at that point in time, people are like, yeah, I'm not going to get a new car. I'm just going to fix the one that I already have. And that's where the opportunity could potentially come in for auto repair type franchises. And you also have to think about it with that average car age being 12.1 years old for many of these franchises, many of these cars uh, they're out of warranty. They're out of the manufacturer's warranty. And 90% of those cars never go back to the dealer for service. So what does that mean? Well, that means they're going somewhere else. And that could be you. If that's an industry that would be a good fit for you. And that's something that we can chat with you about. Um, something else that I found interesting that I learned recently was 80 cents of every dollar spent on car maintenance is spent on the wheel well and the engine compartment. So if you can own the wheel well and you have a, a business that can service that, then you're tapping into a lot of the the the, the maintenance dollars that are that are out there. And so that could be that relates to brakes, suspension, tires. I mean, again, I'm not a car expert. You can fact check me on that. <laughs> but those are the things that are necessary. And those are services that electric vehicles also need. But even still, we are way, 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 way far away from everyone driving an electric vehicle. If we ever really, truly get there at all, there's a lot of debate about that. 
But so services like oil changes, most cars on the road require oil changes. Now in certain markets like New York and California, where maybe people do have a larger amount of Teslas, I mean, maybe, I mean, I would still argue that there's, there's, you know, there's, there's not enough out there on the road for their for the opportunity to really be killed. But I, th- I think we have, according to a lot of experts, we have 20, 25 years before we even get to a point where most of the vehicles on the road are, are electric vehicles. So, sir, but, but even still, if you get into a business that services both the electric vehicle and, and you know, the traditional uh, you know, gas vehicles that are out there on the road, there's a huge opportunity there. And if you think that as, as a business owner, you're thinking about how to deal with the coming electric vehicle market. Trust me that these franchise companies are already thinking about how to pivot and how to add services that are more uh, necessary and that also apply to the electric vehicle as well. So, but think about it. A lot of these are repeat services. So you don't just go in and, and get your tires done once. You're, you're coming back again and again for that. Oil changes. That is a repeat service. I believe, what is it? Every 3,000 miles, you need to get your oil uh, changed, right? So. And with the average car being driven 13,000 miles per year, that's a lot of opportunity for people to come back to your business. And in many cases for auto repair services as well, you know, depending on what the service is, it could, the average ticket, the average job size can range from, you know, maybe several hundred dollars to even several thousand. So the ticket tends to be higher than, let's say, a yogurt shop, right? Where the average person is spending 10, 15 bucks or something like that. So what that means is you don't need as high of a customer volume and as much market penetration locally to really start to drive some serious revenue. And that's more or less the case I would make for automotive. I think that it's a recession-resistant business. It's an essential business, which is something we need to worry about now. So if you're going to get into an industry, I think that that is a fantastic industry to consider. And there's many amazing franchises in this space, some that are very massive that you've heard of that have, believe it or not, territory in your in your local market. Of course, it depends on where you're located. Others that are up and coming that have upgraded the way that a certain, maybe it's oil changes, they have a better way of doing it or a better customer experience where the customer doesn't feel like they're getting upsold like some oil change type businesses that are out there. So there's there's ways where they've created almost a better mousetrap. So there's newer franchises like that. There's established businesses in the automotive space. So I would encourage you that if that's something that makes sense to you in terms of where we're at in the market cycle, you see the need for it, you see the ongoing need for it, and uh, and it's a business that you could you know maybe get a little excited about at least the opportunity. Maybe you're not excited about cars, and again, you don't have to necessarily work on them, right? Your people will do that. But if it's a business that you can see yourself getting excited about because of the financial opportunity and the demand, then I would say that's something that might be worth checking out. So that's that's the first industry. The second industry I wanted to touch on is the uh, the pet industry, pet care, um, and just pet related in general. I mean, that could be anything from you know dog walking, pet sitting. It could be uh, doggy daycare and boarding, those types of things. So th- th- tons of different things that you could. Uh, different services you could offer to uh, people in the pet industry. It could be grooming. That's a huge one as well. It could be dog training or other types of animal training. So there's lots of different services within this space that you can offer. And I just like it because if you look at any of the stats, these are the stats I don't have in front of me, of course, but um, I forget the exact numbers, but most people 
are willing to forego health, certain healthcare procedures and checkups and whatnot for themselves in order to be able to provide that for their pets and their furry family members, whether that's dogs, cats, birds, whatever. So people care about their pets. More and more these days, people no longer see their pets as pets. They see them as family members. And if you're in the millennial generation, some some people and Gen Z, some of some of the folks that I know around my age, they they see it almost as if it's their kids, right? They they see their pets as almost as as their kids, right? So they're gonna take care of them. They're gonna spend top dollar, and the growth of the industry really just does show that. So if we look at some of the stats again, so in 2019, 95.7 billion dollars was spent on pets that year. Uh, 70% of U.S. households own a pet of some kind, most of them obviously being cats and dogs. During COVID, there was a 110% spike in animal adoption growth, 197% animal fostering growth. And in some markets like New York City, there was a 1,000% increase in applications for fostering and adoption. And if we look at 2021, the spending grew to 123.6 billion. So 95.7 billion in 2019, 123.6 billion in 2021, uh, 9.5 billion on services like training, for example. So big industry there. But what I like more than anything is you don't just want a big industry, but you want an industry that's growing, right? I don't want to just be in a, you know, I, I don't want to be in an industry that's big if it's an industry that's shrinking. So what is the, annual growth rate. What's the compounded annual growth rate? Well, for the pet industry, it's 7.8% annual industry growth. Now, 7.8% is a very, very, very strong, uh, very, very strong uh, growth rate. Now, you'll have people in other industries bragging about a 3% growth rate, which doesn't sound like a lot. But if you have a massive industry and you add 3% to a massive piece of the pie, massive pie, you're going to end up with a lot more pie, even at just a 3% growth rate. But when you take a massive industry and a lot of spending that's taking place here, and you add 7.8% to that, that's a lot. So just as an example, 123.6 billion spent in 2021. Okay, what's what's 7.8% of 123.6 billion? Well, that would be 9.64 billion annual increase on average at a 7.8% industry growth rate, right? So you're not just competing against a fixed pie. That's what I like. I want to see a growing industry because that means there's room for new people to join the industry. There's room where I'm not having to compete for the same piece of the pie. So as more people come in and flood the industry, getting into that business, we're all competing for the same pie. So everyone gets a smaller portion of the pie. No, there's a growing portion of the pie. So there's more for everybody. Which is, which is something that I like. And, and one of the cases I would make for franchising is there's just a way better system, marketing and customer acquisition processes and, and what more to really help you to tap into that type of growth that a traditional mom and pop likely is just not going to have the resources, the know-how to tap into. So, um, so again, that's, I mean, that's the case for, for the industry as a whole. And, and again, many of these pet businesses, some of them can be home-based to start. Very, very uh, minimal amount of employees to start. Some can be mobile-based, like certain dog training type franchises that are out there. 
very high margin. And that, that business, how do you scale it? Well, more trucks on the road, more trainers that are out there and uh, training and servicing more dogs. And it can be done all over. You don't have to have a facility for it. But of course, as you scale, you can get one if you'd like. Some are doggy grooming places. So obviously that is massive because that is actually dealing with the health of your, of your dog or, or, or of other pets. Some that are, um, I know of, of uh, boarding, boarding for cats uh, and just, uh, ca- not kennels, but uh, higher end, better experience kennels basically, but, um, but doggy, doggy daycare type facilities. So they're places where you could, if you travel a lot, you can leave your animal there but they're fun, they're vibrant environments, they're clean, unlike a kennel typically is, where you can really feel good about where you're leaving your pet. And sometimes there's overnight services, sometimes those places do offer grooming services, uh, some specialize specifically in cats. So I know place, I know a franchise that does that, that's amazing, founder's an awesome guy. And then I, I know one that specializes in dogs. So there's there's so many different businesses within the realm of pet care, like I mentioned earlier, dog walking, pet sitting, and it doesn't just need to be dogs and cats. There are franchises that go out further than that and even deal with exotic pets that are out there. So I would say that the pet industry is super recession resistant. The spending tends to be recession resistant because people care about their pets. So many people have them. And if you can tap into even a small portion of that, there's a huge opportunity there. And what you have to realize is most of it's a very fragmented industry. A lot of the grooming places and and whatnot are are single location mom and pop type businesses. They don't have the marketing power. They don't have the know how. And so when you have a franchise that's backing you, it helps you to compete a lot more and steal a little bit of the existing pie, but also capitalize on the growing pie that we just talked about. So uh, that's my case for pet. Again, one in five people adopted pets during COVID, many of those being cats and dogs. So there's all kinds of services that you can offer, grooming, pet sitting, dog walking, boarding facilities, and more. If you'd like our help investing in a franchise at no cost to you, head over to ifiredmybosspodcast.com and fill out the form to schedule a free consultation. Okay. And then the last industry I wanted to touch on here before we wrap up is, uh, the health and wellness industry, which I think uh, something that I was always told was basically, if you're going to sell in a recession, you need to have something that is essential, like an essential service, something that people need. It's a need. It's not a want. Or you need to sell to rich people, people that have more discretionary income. Why? Well, during a recession, things get tough, things get tight, liquidity gets tight. But for those that have higher median incomes, have more disposable income, their income might shrink a little bit, but it's not going to drink, you know, shrink that much, right? They're still going to have a lot of disposable income that maybe the average person won't have, the average middle class person doesn't have. So if you want to have a business that's recession resistant, sell the rich people or sell a need. So I think the ones we just talked about, automotive and pet, that's a need. And most people, especially with pets and with your car, I mean, that, that's a need. People need to get where they want to go. And when people see your, your pet as a family member, they're, they're, they're going to make sure that the pets are taken care of. A lot of the stuff on the health and wellness side, I would say, you know, you could classify in some cases as a want. But if you're dealing with a demographic that has more disposable income, even during a recession, 
then you're, you're probably going to be fine. So you think about the types of people that, uh, that take some of the services that I'm about to talk about. So the industry as a whole, so I don't think this is news to everyone. I think everyone knows it's a massive industry, right? Global wellness is a $4.2 trillion industry, trillion with a T. Personal care spending is $1 trillion, massive. Preventative medicine and care, $575 billion. Weight loss solutions, $702 billion. And anti-aging in 2021 was uh, expected to be $331.4 billion. So huge, huge, huge. Or I'm sorry, I think it was a million if I didn't write that. One of the two. It's a big industry is the point, right? So if you think about med spas, for example, uh, there's a concept that we've had on um, earlier in, uh, in our podcast career, uh, Forever Young. Amazing, amazing brand. If you'd like to get connected with them, just let us know. Um, but they, they, they tap into a lot of these different markets. So preventative care, uh, weight loss solutions, anti-aging... And, and think about the demographic of people that are getting serviced by that kind of business. You know, maybe some middle class, maybe some upper middle class people, but a lot of higher income people as well. And so, yeah, you know, all of these businesses we're, we're talking about, you know, can be market dependent. You have to make sure that it really, the model makes sense in your specific market. And I would say this really uh, is the case, especially you want to be in an area that likely has a higher median income, maybe a little bit of a wealthier area. Maybe you don't live in that neighborhood, but your business can set up shop there and service the people that live there. Um, but the thing about it is, if you want to thrive during a recession, sell the rich people, sell a need or sell the rich people. I'm going to keep saying it because repetition, hearing it a thousand times, hearing it in different ways, maybe it'll start to sink in a little bit more. And like a lot of the pet businesses I talked about, like grooming facilities, single location, mom and pop owned, fragmented industry, no major player in many cases. And so if you look at the med spa industry, 83% of med spas are single location. So if you develop your area or the surrounding area with three locations, same branding, people know what it is, it's just, you can steal a lot of market share. But again, it's a very massive, it's a massive industry that is growing rapidly. It will continue to grow rapidly because people love to feel good about themselves. And in many cases, these types of services, they don't break the bank. These are affordable luxuries. So it's not you know, tens and tens of thousands of dollars in most cases. And, and rather than get like a tummy tuck or, or something like liposuction or something like that, these are services that are a lot more affordable for many people. There are typically financing options through care credit or or other uh, financing options that people can take advantage of, even if they have the cash and don't want to pay for it. Or even if they don't, there's ways to offer the service to people where they don't have to pay 100% out of pocket. Um, so I, li- I like med spas as a concept. I think it does depend on your market, but I think there's a case to be made that it's a, it's a, it's a damn good business. And the average revenue for some of these uh, is... Pretty phenomenal. Um, other businesses within the health and wellness umbrella that I think are just fantastic are, for example, mental health and physical therapy or chiropractic related franchises. And the reason for that is all of these are insurance paid. They're, they're third-party payer in many cases, in most cases. So what that means is 
your success, your ability to collect payment, and your consumer's ability to pay in the first place and seek out the service is not dependent on their discretionary income. It's dependent on, yeah, they got to pay a deductible or, or something like that, but, um, but you're billing the insurance company. And the insurance company is the one that that's paying you. So when a recession happens, and I believe we're likely in one, when people's incomes dry up, job loss happens, things are tight, there's, there's still a way for them to get these types of services. And again, I would say the third-party payer helps a lot, but also it's in need anyway. I think these are services that even if, you know, God forbid that insurance didn't cover a lot of this stuff, that pe- these are services that many people would still be out there trying to find a way to pay because if your body's broken or, or you're hurting, you're in pain, you're going to find a way to try to fix it. And if, if, you're, if your head needs, needs some help, um, then, then that's something that a lot of people seek out help for now as well. And, and hopefully more and more because, um, you know, there is a, I would say, a mental health crisis in the US. But so with that being said, the, they are recession resistant because they're third party payer, because they are in need, right? Um, they're essential businesses. So these were businesses that could be open during the pandemic. Uh, for mental health, I know that there are telehealth options and you could have a conversation with a licensed therapist over a Zoom meeting. Maybe it's not ideal. Maybe people prefer in person, but at least you could still keep going. And from a business perspective, you can still keep the revenue coming in, even if, God forbid, another pandemic did hit. And if we look at a physical therapy or chiropractor type business, a chiropractic type business, I like those because again, insurance, billing, third-party payer, they, in many cases, these franchises, I know for the mental health concept I have in mind, uh, they handle 100% of the insurance billing at the corporate headquarters. They just do it for you. You don't have to deal with it at the, as a franchisee. Your clinical director that runs your location doesn't have to do it. Fantastic. And that's another thing I like about the mental health concept. It's forced semi-absentee. Unless you're a licensed therapist, you cannot run the day-to-day. So you, you, know, you have to find uh, a good clinical director and they're going to help you with that. But um, it's nice because it is forced semi-absentee. Anyway, I digress. In terms of the industry as a whole, not a specific concept, I like it for that reason. But when it comes to chiropractic uh, type franchises and physical therapy related franchises, same thing. Now, I know for a lot of these options, maybe they have a third party vendor that will handle the insurance billing for a percentage of revenue, which, you know, can be a lot. So maybe in the beginning, you start out that way. And that way, because you don't know what you don't know yet, you don't know how to properly process the insurance. But maybe as your business grows and you don't want to give up, you know, a, a couple of percentage points, a few percentage points, to a third-party vendor off of a larger piece of the pie because you're doing more revenue. Maybe you take it in-house at that point. But it's nice to know, at least in the beginning, as you're getting the business off the ground and up and running, that the corporate, corporate, uh, the franchisor has relationships with third-party vendors that will handle that for you. So you don't have to be this medical billing expert. They're going to get you the insurance dollars for you. Okay. The other thing is recruiting. Oftentimes, these companies... And I'm thinking of a couple that I have specifically in mind that specifically have recruiting departments. So one of the biggest things is, gosh, well, how do I find a good clinical director for the mental health franchise or for how do I find a good chiropractor, right? Well, they have a recruiting department. And it's not just some random Joe Schmo. They have a, a doctor who's a chiropractor himself. So they know what to look for 
in a chiropractor to make sure that the person is the, is not just knowledgeable, but maybe has the right personality traits, right people skills. It has the ability to explain things and make people feel comfortable. Now, due to joint employer laws and, and liability that can arise from that, they can't do the hiring for you, but they could be a part of the, the interviewing process with you. They could share notes and their feedback about how they felt, what they would recommend, those types of things, but they can't hire the person for you and tell you what to do or not to do. Um, but they can help you and give you that guidance as far as what you should look for. Here are the interview questions you should be asking. Here are the answers you, sh- you should likely be looking for. And that way you can identify the people that can really, really help. And so um, one, of the, one of the chiropractic companies, franchises I'm, I'm thinking of, um, you know, they offer services far and beyond just being you know, chiropractic services. It's, it's a pretty amazing concept um, with a very powerful uh, franchise development group behind them. Um, and you only need one, one chiropractor, one associate chiropractor and a front desk person to start. Once you kind of have ramped up, you have maybe five to six full-time employees per location. So it's not a ton of people that you're overseeing. It is designed to be very, very semi-absentee and um, they, do, they do pretty well. So uh, it's worth taking a look at. Um, of course, that's going to depend on you in terms of the you know, how well you do. So you're the X factor in the business, but I'm saying generally speaking, these businesses do have the potential to do pretty well. Um, and, and so the, I like these businesses. So just to kind of recap here, we talked about automotive, auto repair. We talked about the pet industry and pet related franchise concepts. And we talked about health and wellness. And within that, we talked a little bit about med spas, mental health, chiropractic, and uh, physical therapy type type franchises. So these are businesses that I think are at least worth taking a look at in 2023. Now, maybe you're, you're listening to some of these and you're like, gosh, I don't really, never imagined myself being in that kind of business. I'm not sure if I can get passionate about automotive or something like that, right? But I would encourage you to just table that for a second and just think about the business opportunity, the financial opportunity. Can the business help you to get from point A to point B? Can it help you accomplish your financial goals? If it can, then I think it's worth taking a look at. If it can't, then yeah, maybe you check out some other options. But all I ask people is just have an open mind. If you're going to look into franchise concepts, have an open mind, check out different options. Maybe check out some brick and mortar concepts. Maybe check out some mobile-based concepts. Maybe you check out more emerging franchises that just have a handful of franchisees, but you, you would have more time with the founder and you can pick any prime territory in the country if you wanted. And there's other benefits as well and drawbacks, uh, not as developed of a system, those sorts of things. So maybe you want something more emerging. Maybe you want something more established. It's good to look at both and, uh, and just different types of options and, and that sort of thing. So, um, so hopefully this has given you some different ideas in terms of industries that maybe you should consider looking at. Um, again, there are other industries beyond this that we can talk about. And, and really what, what, what I do when I, when I speak with clients of mine and candidates in the franchise exploration process is to help identify what franchises could be a good fit for you based on your background, your skill set, your financial situation, your financial goals, what your investment strategy is. A franchise that you'd like to buy and hold and own for 20, 30 years might look a little bit different from a business that you want to own for five to seven years, then exit and move on to the next thing. Are you just, you want to stay with one brand and just, you know, have that and that's okay? 
or you want to build a massive empire and you want to have multiple franchises within one brand or, or multi-brand, multi-unit franchisee. There's so many different things you can do here. So that all that is all going to affect the types of franchises you likely should look at. And of course, you know, investment level and all these different things, budget, of course. Um, so these are just some of the things you should think about. These are franchises I think might be worth taking a look at in the second half of 2023 as we approach 2024. Businesses that I think are recession resistant because they either serve a need, not a want, or they, they serve a demographic that is, you know, rich people, right? Or, or a wealthier demographic that will have more discretionary, more disposable income during a time of economic hardship. So hopefully that was helpful for you guys. Hopefully that at least gave you some ideas of franchises you, uh, or industries you might want to take a look at. And of course, if anything that we spoke about here today, piques your interest. If you'd like to chat a little bit more about any of these particular industries or specific franchises within this industry, if you want to see what's available in your area and which of these options might be a good fit for you, uh, go to the ifiredmybosspodcast.com. Uh, again, ifiredmybosspodcast.com. Fill out the form and uh, we'll reach out and uh, and see how we we can help. And, and you know, of course, no obligation. There's no cost to work with us at all. So it's it's just a conversation, and then and we're pretty relaxed. Look, if you we're not going to push you to do anything. Uh, we know that if you if, if I have to twist somebody's arm to buy a business, they probably shouldn't be buying a business or at least that business. So we're we're pretty chill and relaxed. Um, try to be very educational. So if that's something you want help with, go to the i go to ifiredmybosspodcast.com and we'll help you out. Um, so thanks guys for tuning into another episode. I do want to wrap up again by thanking our incredible sponsors of uh, Silicon Signs. Again, they truly do a fantastic job um, of guiding franchisees through the, the signage process, both for interior and exterior signs, taking a lot of the headache out of the process and doing things right the first time. As a lot of us probably know with construction, if you do it wrong, you don't just get to build on top of what you did wrong. Oftentimes you have to step back, which costs money, and then you have to redo it. So it can be very costly. So doing it right the first time, having the right partners, like you would have with Silicon Signs, I would highly recommend reaching out to Chase and his team over there. Go to siliconsigns.com and reach out for more information. Again, siliconsigns.com. And they'll they'll take care of you. Again, they've worked with companies like Crumble, Dirty Dough, Capriotti Sandwich, Wing Zone, and so many more amazing concepts. So hit them up if if you have a need for them. Again, siliconsigns.com and hit them up. They'll take care of you. So thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. And we'll see you on the next episode of the I Fired My Boss Franchise Podcast. Take care. You're f***ing fired. If you want to say those words to your boss, make sure you head on over to ifiredmybosspodcast.com and fill out the form to schedule a no-cost consultation. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend who might also want to fire their boss. 